Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Okay, so hello, my name is Emily Reid and welcome to this episode of the Stem Cells at Lunch Digested podcast brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine here at King's College London. So today we're very excited to be joined by Dr. Kai Ketchmer, who is currently a postdoctoral fellow in Hans Kluver's lab in the Netherlands. So prior to this position, Kai completed his PhD in stem cell biology and genetics at Cambridge, and then later here at King's, under the supervision of Professor Fiona Watt. So welcome back, Kai. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. My pleasure. So it would be great if we could start with a little bit of background about your research, so both past and present, which has kind of led up to what you're currently working on. So I joined Fiona's lab in, ooh, that's a long time ago, actually, 2007, uh, because I was interested in studying adult stem cells. And then when I started my PhD with her a couple of years later, I, I used, uh, back then, I guess, very n- new technique that, that is now kind of standard, which was genetic lineage tracing. And we tried to study whether the different stem cell populations that have been identified in, in the skin epidermis can contribute to different things. For example, when we looked into tumor formation, whether we would have different tumor types appearing. Um, there are, of course, basal cell carcinomas and squamous cell carcinomas, for example, uh, in the skin. And we could see that, indeed, when we actually um, genetically activated a particular stem cell population, we did get other cancers than when we, when we did the same in a different stem cell population, really showing that, that um, this kind of area where you do, uh, where, you, where you acquire your genetic mutation is really relevant yes. for, for tumor progression. Could you explain just to our listeners what lineage tracing is and the applications and and what it's used for? So essentially it's a critical technique because we want to know what a stem cell does. So essentially we label that stem cell and that genetic label is then inherited to all the daughter cells. So even though that stem cell might not be there anymore, the the, the progeny, the offspring of that cell will remain uh, labeled and this is something we can detect and we can therefore trace, track what happened to to um, the cells that were exactly, exactly that yeah, were generated yeah, yeah. earlier onwards? Yeah. So it's very useful for techniques like we can say that this tumor has arisen from this particular cell or this particular cell. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Okay. And so, how does that work with what you're doing now? What are you currently researching? So, so then I actually, for my postdoc, I joined a lab that has pioneered this technology, mm-hmm. um, but also had later on actually initiated work using a very novel way of culturing stem cells. Yep. It's called Ogna technology, where we essentially can take an individual cell, for example, from the skin or from the gut, and grow it in 3D. Yes. And we can create a, a mini organ, for example, a mini gut that really contains all the cells that, for example, would digest your nutrients yep. and other things. And I use that actually to, to look into um, cancer, and in particular, we're looking into, into colon cancer okay. and how the microenvironment, so for example, immune cells might play a role in, in actually getting rid of that cancer, essentially killing the cancer cells. So we take these immune cells out of the tumor and then at the same time generate these organs from the tumor and combine those two and then study uh, their interaction and possibly whether some of these immune cells actually are capable of killing uh, the organoids and and a second project and this is something I will talk today about is um, um, the heart where we study stem cells in the heart and actually whether they exist or not and and what happens for example after um, a myocardial infarction after a heart infarct whether whether there are cells intrinsically in the adult heart that can actually help regenerate it okay because this has been something my very limited knowledge about the heart is there is some contention surrounding heart stem cells and whether they exist and, and 
what that population looks like. So. Yes, so what we did there actually is we, we, we didn't want to use a specific marker. Um, we wanted to do use something that, that it will definitely show us whether a cell divided. Yes. So we used a, a gene that is, is regulated and is very highly expressed in cells that, that divide and produce daughter cells. Yeah. And we used that to, to do single cell sequencing, essentially taking individual cells and looking what, what they express. And then at the same time we did what the other technique I mentioned in the beginning, we used genetic lineage tracing to see what these individual labeled cells do, whether they contribute to something significant that yes. that actually helps uh, cardiac regeneration. Yes, very interesting. Okay, so so you've worked in quite diverse fields, from kind of skin to heart to gut, um, which is obviously your today you're presenting on the heart. So I'm curious to know, working in multiple fields, what are the unifying factors for you? Because many people tend to have an impression that scientists are focused on a very niche subject and quite inflexible. So I'd love to know how your experience on working on different topics and bringing them together. So my main interest is stem cells and their niche. Essentially, I want to study how other cell types that, that regulate proliferation of cells actually um, uh, contribute to how these stem cells behave. So I did this during my PhD with Fiona in the skin and then transforming into a postdoc in the, hands of, uh, in the lab of Hans Klevers, yeah. we, we apply both these ways in, into tissues in the heart and yeah. in, the, in the gut and then try to understand how things work. So this is, this is kind of what drives Your me. I want to say the adult stem cell yeah, and what yeah. it does and then of course also the other cell types yeah. surrounding it. Interesting. So what are kind of your future questions that you'd love to, what are your burning desires, things that you'd love to look into next? I would like to understand actually whether the microenvironment just has to be permissive in allowing the stem cell to behave in a certain way yeah. or whether it can also be, be actually stimulating the stem cell in a way to do something that the stem cell usually wouldn't do. So these oh, are kind okay. of questions that I want to understand. So yeah. essentially whether it's only responding to something the stem yeah. cell does yeah. or whether it's actively... It's a key primary driver exactly. in. Yeah, yeah, whether yeah, it's yeah. driving itself the behavior of the stem cell. And this is, I think, in many tissues not fully understood yet. Yes, okay. And are there any other tissues that you haven't yet gone into that you'd like to? Um, I think not in particular. I think I, I would hope that I would be able to work in, in, in epithelial tissues in particular, considering yes. I work on the skin epidermis yes, and on and the gut. The gut yeah. But uh, but we'll see. It really depends on on what questions I will be curious about and, and try to answer. But yeah, I'm more interested in the stem cell and the, the tissue for me is just a model to understand how it Very behaves. Interesting. Okay, so in terms of the stem cell, there are some pathways which you've researched, beta-catenin pathway, which are kind of again unifying stem cell pathways. So could you explain maybe to our listeners about the role of these pathways in health and disease? Yeah, I think in, in, in the tissues I'm mainly interested in, I guess, in, 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 the, in the skin, of course, wind signaling is, is essential for proliferation of cells, yeah. but also to make the hair shaft, for example. So, so our hair growth is dependent on this pathway when it's active. Mm -hmm. It's also actually mutant and therefore constantly active in tumors that, mm -hmm. that arise. And, and that's, that's a very interesting thing. The same applies to the, to the guts, where actually this pathway is also active in, in, co in colon cancer but at the same time is also driving the stem cells in the gut to proliferate and produce daughter yeah. cells. In the heart, this is a little tricky. Um, during development, there is really clear evidence showing that the heart requires wind signaling to work and to grow. 
but in the adult this this pathway is still poorly understood and actually that's something very interesting that, that one could look into yes yeah, yeah because i think there's quite a lot of interest with the kind of the balance between cancer and normal regeneration and development and the kind of an interesting venn diagram of what overlaps between them so what indeed how does that apply to kind of your research and and, and also generally in larger applications for therapy and what are some of the problems that that can bring about i think generally cancers hijack these pathways that are required either during development, homeostasis, so, so normal turnover of cells or regeneration. The only simple thing is that because the cancer acquires mutations in these pathways, the pathway cannot be shut off anymore. Yes, yes. So that's I think the big difference and it would be nice to see whether something intrinsic in the cells and the cancer cells for example we could use to shut off this pathway or whether we can use other cell types such as the immune cells I mentioned in, in yes, yeah, yeah. earlier can be used to actually either shut off this pathway or specifically target the cells that have this mutant pathway yeah. active and therefore uh, potentially let's say shed light on on yeah. therapeutic avenues that we can we can uh, follow yes exactly yeah 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 excellent okay thank you so again just kind of just what something to finish off is what is your kind of primary driver what is the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning why do you love doing science i think there's one word to say and that's curiosity it's yeah. curiosity about a question that i have or other questions that i have also of my colleagues as well so we have a very active lab active lab meeting yeah. and i think this kind of excitement that comes when you've understood why something works in a certain way i think that mm -hmm. what drives me and gets me up in the morning yes yeah, yeah and you take all that along with you know the failure which is of course part of science and of course part of research but it's it's lovely to speak to you. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah. My pleasure. And Thank you so much. Thank you for listening.